everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Colin. So grab your hot beverage, whether it's coffee, tea, or an adult beverage, or again, as my, my niece Maeve likes to call it, a crack cold one with Colin. Thank you for being here. As I get my uh, little shot of caffeine here, we have a very special guest here tonight, Miss Amanza Smith from Selling Sunset. The show on Netflix that is an absolute hit. It is so fun to watch. And as a real estate agent myself, um, I'm excited to talk to her about uh, what it's like to be selling multi, multi million dollar properties in Los Angeles and how she got from Indiana all the way out to Hollywood, talking about her career and life as a, uh, as a, as a mom and um, what it's like to be on a reality show. But first, I just want to give a shout out to our first sponsor, StreamYard. If you guys are looking for doing any live streaming similar to this, whether it's podcasting or anything else, StreamYard is your go-to place for streaming out there into the interwebs. So feel free to reach out to them. They have been nothing but amazing to us here at Coffee with Colin, and we can't thank them enough. And then our other sponsor, Particular, we are going to be talking with Amanza about her particular pick six, which her which are her six favorite films at the end of the, uh, the show. And then after the show, Amanza's favorite movies selections will be available on the particular app. So if you haven't downloaded the particular app, go to the Apple Store or Google Store and download it. Android, I'm an Apple user, so I'm not sure what the Android equivalent is. But uh, download it and you'll be able to uh, check out Amanza's movie selections. So without further ado, I'd love to have her on here right now. So let's put a big hand, put our hands together for Miss Amanza Smith. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How you doing? I'm waving, I'm waving with my good, my good hand, which is my left hand. So it's awkward. Yeah. Hi. So <laughs> tell us about your, uh, your little cooking incident that you had last week. So my daughter has gotten really into cooking over quarantine, and and most of the time, I just kind of let her handle it. She's gotten really good with um, knives. They make fun of me because the, the knives that we have at my house really aren't that sharp at all. They're like, we couldn't cut ourselves if we wanted to on this knife. <laughs> like, so I just so it's always been very safe for her. And then last week she wanted to make um, homemade churros, which you know requires a, a large amount of hot and yeah i tried to help and this is ah. so, so what the oil I, just blew up and exploded this, everywhere it was literally like the craziest thing i went to turn the churro and it was like somebody took a ball and like threw it into the pan it just jumped out and like about three cups of not boiling but frying grease went all over my arm i was in the burn unit at usc for seven hours they had to do if anybody has been burned it's the most excruciating pain oh yeah the procedure that they have to do to like so this is i've been down for a week so this is my first interview that i've done since i've been like down for the count all right well um, thank you so much for being here yeah. it's very of you to take time out of your day uh yeah. to talk to us here because i know a lot of people are interested to hear what you have to say with regards to working in los angeles as a real estate agent uh, what it's like to be on a reality show, um, what it's like to uh, just be an all-around boss babe, Wonder Woman, uh, mom, and uh, and yeah, I just want to get into it. So um, so you're on the show, Selling Sunset, and on Netflix, you guys are about to do season three. Is that right? 
season three comes out on August 7th. So okay. We've already filmed it. So now everybody will just get to relive it. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Which has been really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, uh, I've been watching the show this past week. And uh, so I used to work with Chriselle Stout on All My Children. I don't oh, know if you no knew that. Way. Yeah. So she and I, she and I worked together for uh, about three years. Um, and uh, she, she, she was uh, like, I love that girl to death. We started basically at the same time on all my children and you know, she's from Kentucky and I'm from Chicago. So we bonded instantly. I know you're from Indiana, right? I know. I think that's why she and I bonded instantly too. We're like two little, like small town girls, you know, in big old Hollywood, just, trying to make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. LA can be a big, scary, crazy place. Um, at least I, I found that. I think some people take to it like fish and water. For me, I was just kind of like, okay, there's Lamborghinis and Ferraris everywhere you look. There's like more money out there than I've ever seen. And then of course you've got these 20 million, 50, $100 million properties up in the hills that you're just like staring and looking while, you know, I'm sitting eating ramen noodles from my, right. my one bedroom apartment <laughs> in, in Hollywood as I'm like a struggling actor, right? It's like yeah. the who's who and the who has not. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. Like the only place you can walk down the street and you just see like the Brad Pitts and the Julia Roberts. And it's just like, just another oh, yeah. day, no big yeah. deal, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so um, coming from Indiana, did you, was like, was this career path something that was on your radar? Was it something you always wanted to do? I actually never, never even thought about doing real estate, to be honest. Um, I, you know, I did interior design. I went to college for interior design and I knew that I always loved the aesthetic of big houses. Like, look, I grew up in a trailer in Indiana, so... When I got to big old Hollywood, like I would literally drive around. I still do would just drive around and like, just gawk at like the houses in the hills or like in Bel Air, yeah. you know, looking in the, I almost sound like a stalker, looking in the windows, wondering <laughs> <laughs> what do these people do to make so much money to live in this monstrosity? Yeah. But um, So I never thought about real estate, but I always knew I loved houses and like the way they looked and this and that until Jason and Brett and Mary were all doing real estate and I saw how much money they were making and I was like, Hmm. Like maybe yeah. I should it's jump a, on this bandwagon. <laughs> Jason and Brett are Jason and Brett Oppenheim who run your brokers or the managing brokers of the Oppenheim group, which yes. is what's selling sunset. It, the show is surround uh, centered on the brokerage and then all the, the girls in the brokerage. So I have a question right. for you. <laughs> Was it by design that it's an all female brokerage except for Jason and Brett? I mean, do they, no. I mean, come on, where's the guys? What's going on here? I mean, yeah, you guys are all beautiful. We actually have, we actually have um, male brokers. They're just not on the show. They're just not ah, okay. And I think for many reasons, some of them didn't want to be, like had no interest. Um, I think some of them have joined after the, the, maybe they shot the first season. But there are more than just hot women in the Oppenheim group. <laughs> I think we have like, there's like four other guys that work there. People just don't ever okay. see them, but they exist and they, yeah, they work just as hard and we yeah. just don't let them be on, on the show. <laughs> so you may not have wanted to be a real estate agent, but you started out as a model, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. So I how did you, so did you get discovered? Or? Design. 
Well, no, I, I kind of, so when I lived in Indianapolis, I was an, a cheerleader for the Indianapolis Colts. And that oh, was no kind way. of like my first like spot is like in the spotlight. And I really liked it. So I was like, Ooh, oh, let me move to LA and see, see what I can do there. So I did commercials and print modeling for, I mean, I still do that stuff as well, but like, that's all I did like for many, many years until I got married and had kids. And then after my divorce, I was like, okay, it's not quite the same. Like going to audition. You can't just like pack a bag and go to Miami for a three day modeling shoot when you've got a one and two year old, or mm-hmm. maybe your body doesn't look exactly the same. Or, you know, you push in a double stroller into it to an audition and you've got two crying babies. It's just totally different <laughs> world. So I'm like, okay, I need to get back to, you know, kind of, not my roots, but like what I went to college for and trying to make like a, a, like a different career path. Yeah. And so that's when I started doing design. And then about the same time that I started really focusing on my design um, independently, Jason started the Oppenheim group. And so I just, I kind of watched it progress and same with me. He watched me progress. And then after I proved to him that I was like good enough, I got to decorate a couple of his multi-million dollar homes that he had sold to clients. And then it just made sense organically. They're like, you're in the office. You already are around these houses. Um, mm-hmm. You used to get your license because you could potentially make like a crap load of money, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So, so I was like, okay, that sounds good. I'll get the listing, stage the house, sell the house, and then design the house for the new buyer. So that's my plan to just like knock it out of the park on all angles. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's smart because nowadays... Um, you know, I, I wrote a book last year. It's called Agile Artists, and it's all about learning how to be uh, to adapt to changing times. And especially right now, where a lot of people are having to do things differently than they ever have done before. Um, I mean, it sounds like pardon, <laughs> like homeschooling, like homeschooling, exactly. So it, it sounds like you have learned how to put on so many different hats in your career, uh, and then on top of it, you're a mom obviously. And so yeah. I, how do you juggle all of this? How do you find time to, you know, to <laughs> balance it all out? I don't. Um, I don't know. I, if you see on this show, I'm notoriously about 10 minutes to 20 minutes late everywhere I go. <laughs> I'm learning to juggle it a little bit better. I, you know, I have only recently had my kids full time before they would, they would go half the time with their dad. And so the week that they were with him, I just crammed as much work as I could, like anything I, you know, anything that I needed to do, I just crammed it in that week. So mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been a tough like transition for me to try to juggle it all. But I tell people like, I don't have a choice. Like I'm, I have to do it. Nobody else is doing it for me. Um, and I've got these two little humans that I'm in charge of their lives. Like I, I have to yeah. feed them. <laughs> to- and how old are they now? They're nine and 10. Okay. So I don't have a choice. I just, you know, they're my motivation and it just makes me want to like, just do more and more and more. I'm starting like companies and businesses. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like, I look at them. I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. You want a $400 video game. I have to work hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And $300 Air Jordans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not into that stuff yet. It's now it's more like, oh, I'm playing Roblox. Can I get, you know, $10 for Roblox bucks or whatever so they can buy a new little. Yeah. I don't even get it all. But um, so, yeah, not that expensive. 
so my, my, I guess, you know, me coming from Chicago, being from the Midwest and you two, uh, what I found is that once I moved out to Los Angeles, because I lived there for a total of like 12 years, and I found myself, um, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses in terms of, you know, having the nice car. And then, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. I couldn't afford a $10 million property, but how do you, how do you, how are you able to raise your kids there and try to instill the values of like, okay, this is maybe not reality. Uh, and especially being on the reality show, I want to ask you, um, you know, how much of that is real, how much of it is scripted. And do your kids ever ask you uh, about like, you know, mommy, is that real? Or is this just acting or make-believe? Well, my kids, How do you navigate um, that? So for me, it's been, because I, like I said, I grew up, you know, pretty poor in Indiana and I never wanted to, I, that feeling was awful. Like all my friends, it seemed like they had more money or they had a bigger house or, I mean, they did and they had nicer clothes and this. And I just, I always wanted to work hard because I never wanted my kids to ever feel like that. Then I moved to, you know, I'm in LA and I'm like, well, shoot, even if I'm making $10 million a year, potentially in some school system or some private schools out here, the kids still could feel like they don't have that much because they're sitting next to somebody's parent who like owns the planet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They have like yeah. so much money. But for me, I think uh, moving to the Valley, I mean, you're familiar with LA. So like, you know, mm -hmm. there's this side of the hill and then this side of the hill. For me, moving to the Valley was the smartest choice three years ago when my kids started um, elementary school, because all of a sudden you have people that are just like me. They're like, you know, younger, not that I'm young, but I look young, <laughs> younger looking parents <laughs> or young parents with kids, my, you know, my kids age, there's family friendly restaurants. Um, yeah. You know, you don't have to take your kid to Nobu or like STK and spend a gajillion dollars. And then oh, yeah. sit there uncomfortable the whole time because people are looking at you like, what are those things? Like, they're yeah, it's like even going to the grocery store, <laughs> if you go to Ralph's on Sunset Boulevard, yeah. you know, people are dressed up. They've got the, you know, they, I mean, it was like, is this a fashion show at the grocery store? Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. They look at kids like they're aliens. I'm like, that, they're, they're children. They, they have those here too, you know? <laughs> but in the valley, it's totally normal. And you see, I mean, well, not now. We can't go to any restaurant. We can't do anything. But um, yeah. the parks, there's like more parks. There's just more family friendly activities and that it's cheaper and you don't look like, you know, a, you don't stick out like a sore thumb when you walk into mm -hmm. a restaurant with your child. It's, it's totally normal over here. And you go yeah. over on that side of the hill for work. <laughs> yeah. And then um, just, you know, obviously tying that in with then the whole reality aspect of what you do, how much of the show is real? How much is scripted? Cause I've had friends who've been on like the bachelor bachelorette and they've told me that behind the scenes, they will kind of arrange certain circumstances so that they create more drama. Is that, what happens on your well, show, or is it pretty, I have pretty to be real? Honest, no, I, I mean, they call it, um, what do they call ours? It's a docu-soap, right? It's not even, I don't even think it's technically like reality. Reality? Okay. But it's, um, it is reality. And that's what, uh, so many people ask that. And like, for example, I'm just going to use Heather and I's big blow up fight that we had in the office. Like that was 100% real. And that probably happened two days into me filming as the new cast member, as the newest agent in the office. And they had literally asked me before, 
Like, who do you think out of all the girls, besides Mary, obviously, because you know her and, you know, you guys are best friends. Who do you think of the new girls that you'll really get on with? And I'm like, I think I'm really going to like Heather. Like, she seems so down to earth and, like, really sweet. She's got these big dimples. And I have dimples. And typically people with dimples are really nice. And, like, just blah, 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 blah. Two hours into, like, the day, we're chit-chatting. And then, you know, I say whatever I say. And that was, like, you know, all hell broke loose. And yeah. I watched it back, and it was even – they edited it to look – it was less stressful watching it okay. than it was. I mean, yeah, because you like, were just giving advice. I mean, as a as a mom who's had kids, you were just yeah. giving advice. I thought you were – I mean, I would have taken it as, okay, so you've been there before. You were just sharing right. your insight. But yeah. obviously, what I've learned in life is that unless – it's almost it's almost as if – unless you know the person well enough, I think it's always important to ask if they want your feedback <laughs> or insights before giving it. Cause no, I don't, I personally don't like giving, getting unsolicited advice. I like when yeah. people say, Hey Colin, uh, you know, I see you're doing this. Oh no. There you um, are you there? Can we, Shoot. Oh no. Get her back. Get her back. All right, stick with us, ladies and gentlemen. We're just having a minor little technical difficulty. Obviously, the internet in Los Angeles is not as strong as it is here in Chicago. But just to uh, continue on with that thought, um, with giving unsolicited advice, I I hate when people give me unsolicited advice. I, I much rather people say, hey, Colin, I see you're doing this. Um, I've done it. You know, are you interested in getting any insight? Are you interested? Uh, uh, she's back. We can't hear you. Is your microphone on? We can't hear you. Click your, the microphone click off. I think you're muted now, Monza. Okay, we'll get her back. But in the meantime, um, with regards to giving and receiving advice, don't you think it's much better when people ask you if you want their advice? Because if you give advice that's unsolicited, I find that um, it sometimes can come across as being condescending. I don't know, maybe that's just who I am. Uh, but I feel like if you really want your message to be received, I think it's important that you ask the person, just get a little more background on what it is that, that they're dealing with. Um, what's the situation? Find out really who, you know, what, what it is that they're up to and then ask, you know, or just share that you've done something similar to it and that you want to, uh, if they're interested, you have something to offer that, uh, may help them with the situation. Um, I've been in plenty of situations where as an actor, you know, doing this career for 20 years, it's funny how many people have suggestions on what they think I should do, where they'll say like, hey, Colin, you should do this. You should do this YouTube channel or you should create this movie or you should do this show without really understanding how difficult it really is to get onto a TV show or to even do your own YouTube show. 
things are a lot harder than I think a lot of people truly appreciate, especially in TV, because so many of us watch TV. And I mean, after hours of watching certain movies and, and TV shows, we can feel like we, we have, you know, we know what it's like, but until you're actually on set, until you're actually in front of the cameras, until you're actually going on auditions and you know what it's like to go through seven auditions to get to that final job, um, then it's, you know, it's not really that easy to take advice from someone who hasn't been there. She's back, ladies and gentlemen. Can you, can you hear me? We can hear you. Yay! Okay. Yay! <laughs> Somebody was trying to tell me just show. You're talking about unsolicited advice in the, in the technical technological world. Was like, let's just shut Amanda up right now because yeah. you know sometimes she gives too much unsolicited advice. Yeah. So, do you like unsolicited advice, or do you prefer when someone asks you if you, you want know? I'm just, I I think that I'm just a lot different than than most people and most females in particularly like. I just don't get butt hurt about stuff. Like I don't get, if somebody wants to give me unsolicited advice, um, two things, if I'm feeling insecure about the situation already, it's probably going to like maybe inside irk me. I mean, you yeah. they would never know. I would never let them know, <laughs> but it might irk me a little bit inside, but like, I know my, myself well enough to like, it doesn't really bother me, but like I told Heather afterwards, you know, the Oppenheim group is a small brokerage. And yeah, your desks are right next to each other. We're on top of each other. Yeah. And like, you know, and so when you join the Oppenheim group and plus like we've, a lot of us have known one another for two decades. So you kind of, it's like joining a family. So you're not, you don't always get to ask if you want the advice <laughs> okay. prepared to hear it because you joined the family. Yeah. And when you're sitting three inches away from me and I can, all I hear is this like, I think I'm in the conversation because you're basically on my piggyback. So I didn't know I wasn't supposed to talk, you know? Yeah. And we both, maybe we if both they don't, sensitive. yeah, maybe if they don't want your advice, they shouldn't be talking about personal stuff at the office. You can't talk to everybody except for me about it. Like I was the only one. Like, um, but no, it's, and you know, Heather and I smoothed, smooth, smoothed. We smoothed that over that we smoothed that over. And we're totally cool. And, you know, now we talk about mom stuff and I'm really happy for her and her relationship and like the way that her and Tarek are doing and how cute she is with his kids. And it, it all, you know, it all worked out fine. But I think at the time they were so new and mm -hmm. she was always kind of having to defend how quickly they were moving. And so that was annoying to her. And then I was still dealing with having gone through a breakup and my kids were still sad about, you know, not that not working out. So it was just like two sensitive topics, the wrong time. Yeah. Cameras everywhere. I was literally in my head like, oh, I'm gonna stop. I was supposed yeah. to join the cast and be like the new girl. There was no drama and just cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and because the yeah. cameras are rolling all the time, do you, do you get nervous before shooting? Well, at first, yeah. I mean, it took me, I get nervous, even though I modeled for a gajillion years, like I was always nervous at any photo shoot. Like I would get like a lump, like I'm just totally uncomfortable. So why did you model Amanda? Maybe that sounds like a dumb career decision. No, it's, I mean, I, I made a lot of money for a while. Um, but it just, so I was un really uncomfortable. Like the first half of the season or the first season, 
season, by the second or the third season, I guess my second season, but by this, my second season, I was a little more comfortable, but still not totally. I mean, you can't see it in every scene, but like, I'd be sweating and I'm just like, and then I'm looking at all the other girls and they're just so poised and like, you know, especially Chriselle, cause she's used to being on television like every day. And I'm just like, oh my God, I probably look like a drowning rat. And no, you didn't say that because there's cameras everywhere and you're just like so uncomfortable. <laughs> no, but the great thing about you, Monza, is that you're just, you're real, you're down to earth, you're genuine. And I think that's why so many people like you is because you you don't put on any airs. You don't try to be, pretend to be anything that you're not. And that's something that I can relate to. And I think, uh, yeah, again, I think that's why a lot of people really like you because they can relate to you. Um, and for me, coming from the Midwest, going out to Hollywood, you know, I it's incredibly intimidating because I'd go into these auditions and I would see all these other actors from these TV shows and these movies. And I'd be like, why the hell would they want to pick me? I'm this like new guy from wherever. But after going on all these audition after audition, I finally got to the place where I was like, all right, you know what? I'm sick and tired of going on the scam audition. This is the, you know, 400th audition. Now's my time. You know, yeah. at a certain point, after you've put in the work, I think you end up feeling like you deserve it. Because that's the switch that flipped for me where I put in the work so much. At a certain point, I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter who else is in this room. I deserve it because I've yeah. put in the work. Yep, you gotta right? own it. Yes. I think, yeah. Isn't it like something it's like 10,000 hours, right? It's been like 10,000 hours. So I remember, I, what is, I can't speak today. It's like, um, I remember when I first moved to LA and when I was still just modeling, not just modeling, but when I was modeling and I thought about like, cause I always envisioned in my head being this like super hip, cool interior designer and like have a couple of kids. Well, actually I wanted five, so I have, I have a slew of kids and like go to the job site and come home. And I just always pictured myself like in these really cool outfits and just like coming home from the job site. I don't know. I wanted to be that cool mom. And that was in like 2001. Okay. I don't know how many hours have passed since 2001. Yeah. I, quite a bit. I just remember when I heard that saying back then I was like, Oh crap. You know, like, well, that's going to, that's going to take a while. And I think I feel how you do like now I'm like, it's my time. Like I, I'm supposed to, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And mm. I'm doing everything that I like said that I was going to do or, or starting to, you know, at least. And I still have these visions in my head and I think I'm not the greatest of the time. I think it's been 10,000 hours. Yeah. And you know, a lot of what I, uh, you know, with my book and with the show is all about um, sharing insight about how you got to where you're at so that our viewers can, maybe get some you know, insight or advice on, on how to do the same thing. So with regards to you being where you're at and the success that you've created, uh, did you, do you do like visualization? Do you do journaling? Do you write out goals and put them in a calendar? Like what, how, yeah. do, you, how do you create that future vision for yourself? Well, I started making, um, remember when The Secret was like the biggest new yeah. movie book slot, whatever. Well, I never read it because I don't really read that much. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm smart and I heard enough about it to get it. <laughs> so, Did you watch the movie? I, I, no, nothing. Okay. But, um, I'd highly recommend the yeah, movie. Maybe, it's really good. Maybe the clip notes. I don't know. I just I picked up, all, you know, people talk, whatever. So I, about 11 years ago, I think is when this all was a thing, I started making vision boards 
and it went from making a vision board to then it was like, well, that's tacky and I don't want that like in, you know, hanging on my wall. So I would make, I have a vision journal and I would just write and I pray a lot, you know, to God, the universe, like I'm very spiritual. I went through a point in my life. I've done it all, like 10,000 hours of meditation mm-hmm. and prayer. I've, done, I've had, um, I mean, I don't know. I just, I kind of do it all. But visualization for me, it's, it's come to fruition a, a probably five times that I can like know like very distinctly that I'm like, holy crap. Like I literally thought about like either this person and what they look like or like, mm-hmm. what, like down to like, you know, everything and like things have happened and then there's still a few really big things on that vision book that haven't happened yet but i feel like it's it's like about to be there like it's getting there you know yeah because a lot of people when i talk about setting goals it seems like they're afraid of failing and they say well if i set this goal and i don't reach it then you know i don't want to have failed in my goal what do you think about failure or what's your perspective on not reaching a goal you fail a hundred percent of things that you never try. Isn't that what they say? Boom. Like, you yeah. have to try. You only fail if you don't try. Like even with my kids, you know, I tell them like, if you do your absolute best, another book I didn't read, The Four Agreements. <laughs> Always do your best is one of them. But you, <laughs> smart. I've got that book too. I haven't read it. <laughs> I wish I could say I was lying, but I'm, totally, I'm just being honest. Um, but I always tell my kids like, just always do your best. It doesn't matter. Like if you come home, if I know you studied for your, say your spelling test, you know, I mean, they're in third and fourth grade, so it's not like they're doing rocket science yet, but it feels like it sometimes when they do math. <laughs> but if you studied so hard and like you still missed, you know, four or five, seven, if I saw that you studied and I know you really, really tried your best, I'm not going to be upset with you. If you were like playing Roblox and then I catch you not studying mm-hmm. and then, you know, it's time to go to bed and then you have the test the next day and you didn't study. That's a different story. But yeah, I don't think there's, you know, there's really not such thing as failure. Like, is there even? Well, yeah, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. So <laughs> it's like, like yeah, I mean, you could look at it like, you know, you look at baseball players. They fail like all-star baseball players who make $20 million a year fail 70% of the time and that they still are considered all-stars as actors. You know, I, I mean, you talk to any actor out there, I guarantee you the success rate is more like 1%, 2% on the auditions, unless you're like right. to the place where you're not having to audition anymore. Uh, yes. so it really comes down to how much you love what you do. Because in my opinion, when you do what you love, even if you don't reach your goal, it's not failure. It's, it's still, I, I look at life as, am I fulfilled or am I not? I don't look at it as, did I, did I succeed or fail? Uh, because the fact that I'm doing what I love to do is success in and of itself. Yeah, and yes, I, I There's going totally. to be times when you fall down. And what I've discovered is that it's important to create a community and a support group of people around you to help remind you of who you are when you do fall down. And my brother and my family, my sister have been that for me. Um, do you have that supportive community out in Los Angeles? I do. I have, you know, all my family still either in the Midwest or, you know, my dad lives in the South. He lives in Florida. Um, I have a sister in Atlanta. I mean, we're kind of spread out all over the place, but my family is, are my friends in LA. I have 
you know, Mary and Jason and Brett, like we've spent the past, I don't know, probably nine Thanksgivings together. Like we do Friendsgiving, like though that's my family. We pick each other up. We've been through everything together. Mary and I have been through child, like children, divorce, marriage, mm-hmm. new relationship, breakups, makeups, like, you know, we've been roommates. We've been, so I have that. And then, you know, my sisters are really supportive as well. It's just, they're just far away, but it's like texting or, you know, Yeah. sometimes though family, you don't want my, like I have one sister, she's really tough. And it's like, unless I really want to hear what she has to say, <laughs> I just go to Mary. <laughs> Mary sugarcoats things a lot better than my sister. She's like yeah. a 20 year army vet and she's like, no, oh, God. She's like hardcore. So you're going to get an earful. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because when I uh, I graduated college, I was planning on going to medical school, and uh, I ended up hearing on the radio about this model talent search thing. So I found myself in Milan, Italy, doing runway shows for Versace and Giorgio Armani, and so I started like learning about what high fashion was. Up until then, like Gap and Banana Republic yeah. was like fashion, or like Ralph Lauren was like high fashion. And so I go yeah. out there, and like Giorgio Armani himself is like putting a, a suit on me. And he's like pinning this thing and he's like, I, I'm supposed to walk in front of him. So I started getting an understanding of like what high fashion was. So then I would go back home to Chicago, uh, specifically like an hour south of Chicago, kind of in you know the, the suburbs. I'd be wearing all this like Gucci and Versace Zoolander stuff. And my brother and my sister, they'd be like, what are you wearing? What is that? Like, I'm like, yeah. this is Versace. Like, don't you know anything? Like, it's like nine hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Nine hundred dollars. And then my mom would always say, you know, it always took you about three days before I got my real calling back. And it's, you know, it's it's kind of true. It was like it made me realize like how crazy, um, not how crazy, but just how different environments are in different cities and different uh, cultures. And uh, it's it's always been um, one of my. Uh, important things to me is that regardless through it all, um, I guess it's, I've always just appreciated having my family and those people in my life to remind me of what's yeah. real, what's important. Um, Cause it can be very easy to, to get sucked up into that, that world of yeah. superficiality and thinking like, if you don't have the Mercedes or if you don't have the house in the Hills, then your self-worth is not as, as high as the people who do have it. Right. Yeah, I agree. Totally. I think somebody in an interview recently asked me, um, like a, a, like a young teenager was about to move to LA, like 18, 19 or whatever. And they asked like, what's the best advice? She was from the Midwest too. And I'm like, you know, I moved to LA, I was already 24. So I'd already lived a lot in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, to the point that like I have my morals and my values and my, you know, like I had a good head on my shoulders. And I think that has been the one thing that's carried me like further and it will carry you further. You don't get caught up in the superficial and like, you know, money could be here today, gone tomorrow, whatever. But like just keeping that good head on your shoulders, the biggest compliment I ever get is if somebody's like, not that I go out to bars or anything anymore, but when I would go out when I was like single and stuff, then a guy would be like, Oh my God, you're so pretty, but you're also smart. Like, I wish you weren't smart too. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you. But it's like, they meet so many girls that are like so pretty, but they're just like, ah, like they don't, they can't form a sentence. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, I'm like, well, thank you. That's like actually the, a better compliment because like all this will go away at some point. But like, 
hopefully mm-hmm. I still have my wits about me to like have a conversation or like make somebody feel good or be, you know, just cool. So yeah, I think the Midwest, it's a good place to be from. I always say, I don't know if I could move back there right now. Yeah. Maybe Chicago. Cause that's different. I love Chicago, yeah. but um, I mean, I grew up in like on the border of like Kentucky and Indiana, <laughs> like different from Chicago. Yeah. I walk into my hometown, like the way I dress. Cause I don't think I, I have, I have kind of funky style, I guess. Like just even in the airport in Indianapolis, sometimes it's like, and I have to, like, oh, what, like, what? <laughs> you don't wear leather Versace pants on the plane yeah. in Indiana to come see your grandma? Like, oops. Yeah, and and uh, just on the topic of values, um, are you, so you've been married, right? And yes. are you currently dating anyone right now? Are you single? Are you? I am, uh, I'm single. I, you know, I had a, I was in a relation, I was in a relationship for about a year and a half and we, we recently called it quits. Um, and then it's been quarantine. So it's like, how do you yeah. date right now? <laughs> I can't even take my kids to the park. Like, how am I going to go on a date? You know? Um, I'm actually, I, I feel like this year for me, I'm just focusing really hard on making the most out of the show and like, you know, my furniture line and, and trying to get more real estate um, listings and then just spending as much time as I can with the kids, which looks like it's going to be a lot more because I just found out today they're not going back to school. So that's awesome. <laughs> but, um, and then 2021, I feel like maybe I'll be ready to like, you know, go on a date again or something. Okay. So let me ask you this. What do you find sexy about a guy? Confidence. Okay. So all you guys out there. This is a PG uh, show. I can't like say like my real answer. <laughs> <laughs> who are looking to uh, just hear hear it straight from someone who is, is beautiful, successful. Um, and let's say you were, like someone was to go on a, a date with you, Amanza. Uh, what values other than confidence do you find attractive in a man and that you would find uh necessary for you to have a relationship with them um they have to love children spe- children in okay. particular but in specifically mine <laughs> um you know they have to be accepting of my children um possibly want more children <laughs> I haven't given up that idea and then they have to have a sense of humor i can't yep. be, i laugh at my own jokes and it's like if you can't laugh at him too, then it's just going to get really annoying for both of us at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'd like for them to be uh, funny as well. Confidence, sense of humor, family, you know, values. Six, four, tall, dark, and yeah, <laughs> I mean, I of course. <laughs> Do you know what your love language is? Another book yeah. I didn't read. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little quiz for anyone out there who's looking for to know what your love language is go to the five love languages.com. And it's like a little 15 minute little like uh, question thing that you can go through and uh-huh. uh, it'll tell you what your love language is. Cause that I think is uh, one of the things that I've found to be one of the most important things about being in a relationship is knowing what your partner's love language is. And uh, I think mine might be quality time, quality time. That's mine. Quality time. Yeah. And maybe acts of kindness. For somebody who doesn't read, like I know a lot about books. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, yeah. I, I found I was uh, I was watching, there's a, a guy named Jordan Peterson. He's a, 
he's a professor and uh, author. He uh, was watching one of his TED Talks this week, and he said there's a psychologist who did this study, and he found out that um, there's a certain number of positive comments that are necessary in a relationship for every one negative comment. So like if your your spouse or your boyfriend or, or your wife, uh, you know, whatever it is, if uh, if you say like, hey, honey, you look beautiful. Um, honey, thank you so much for doing the dishes. Uh, babe, uh, do you want me to pick up dinner coming home from work tonight? That, you know, that's considered a positive comment. A negative comment would be, why didn't you take out the trash? Or why didn't you uh, notice that I got my hair cut? Like those are <laughs> negative comments. So they actually did this study and they found out that it you need at least five positive comments for every negative comment and any less than five, the relationship is doomed. But what was interesting was that you would think then anything above five would be like, oh, amazing. So like if you got 20 positive yeah, comments. You get like, a com like a positive comment bank that you can dip from if you haven't had like a more stressful day. I don't know if it works like that because <laughs> in the moment, you're just like, shut up. Right. <laughs> but what they found was that uh, there was a certain number of comments that above a certain number of positive comments, it actually had a, a detrimental effect on the relationship. So you would think that having oh, more positive. Yes. Like so much. There's too much positive comments because then you get you cross into the, the border uh, or into the threshold of feeling like you can just walk all over someone and that they're not giving you enough of a challenge in your relationship. So the number is 10. So anywhere between five and 10 positive comments for every negative comment, then that will that's generally the recipe for successful oh relationships. So the next man that you meet you just gotta tell listen buddy five to ten i just gave up because that just made it even so much more difficult i know <laughs> really so the next guy i date and he's like oh you look sexy in your skirt i'm gonna be like in my notebook like that was two yeah okay like how many <laughs> yep just have your just have your little uh have your phone out and be like okay nope um that was uh that was only four positive comments today, honey. I yeah, uh, and it was eleven yesterday. So you know what? This isn't looking so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's shift on to some some uh, some movies, shall we? Yeah. I want to hear what your favorite films are. So this part of our show is brought to you by Picticular. And Picticular is an app. It's a movie curating app, and it helps you uh, be able to find movies that. Uh, our guests are recommending. So my first question to you, Amanda, with the particular pick six is, what is your favorite movie of all time? True Romance. Yes! <laughs> that is an amazing movie. I freaking so love that old. movie. Like I, I talk to people. So, for example, my ex-boyfriend, he has a 16-year-old son, and, and it's also his favorite movie. So, and he watches it all the time. And there was one day when his son and some of his friends were out and they were like, what is this movie? Like, it just looked so old to them. But we're like, this is the best movie ever. Like, you have to watch it. Yeah, I think it was 96 that it came yeah, out. Yeah, I think so. But there's yeah. so many good people in that movie. Yes. Christian Slater. 
mm-hmm. Patricia Arquette. Uh, was it no, not Patricia? Um, uh, yeah, Patricia. Was it Patricia? And then no, Gary Christina, Oldman. Christina Arquette. Christ- no, wait, Patricia. Patricia. The blonde is Patricia. I think Christina is the one who sang in the like heavy metal band. Gosh, how am I? All right, someone type in here and, and let us know what it is. Um, Gary Oldman, who Brad played Pitt. the Rastafarian. Brad Pitt, who. Michael Rappaport. Yes. Um, um, Sean Penn's brother who passed. Yes. Christopher Walken. Yeah. And. Uh, oh, gosh. What's his name? From Easy Rider. They have the best scene in cinematic history where Christopher Walken is interrogating him because he's uh he's Christian Slater's dad and he won't tell every he won't tell the gangsters where Yeah, yeah, where yeah. Son is. Ed something. Uh no. Anyway, you guys have to check out His name not Ed. It's Ed. No. No, we'll we'll figure it out. Someone will someone will send it in. Um Okay, what was your favorite movie growing up? Like kid movie, Little Orphan Annie. Little Orphan Annie. Okay, what you did you like so much about it? This is why. Well, not this is the only reason why, but I remember when I first saw that movie, and Little Orphan Annie gets adopted by Daddy Warbucks, and they and she goes to his big house, and they open up the door, and it's like, oh, like this massive mansion. And I just, that was my favorite part. And I used to be like, oh my God, this house. And then so see, that was like my love of houses. I was like tiny, but I make my kids watch it too. I've made them watch it to the point and they don't like it at all. They like the new version. But on Mother's Day this year, they made me like gift cards. And one of them was a, a, a pass for a movie and okay. of my choice, Little Orphan Annie. So like they gave me a pass that we got. That's really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, so someone just put in, it is Patricia Arquette and Dennis Hopper. Dennis, Ed, Dennis. Yes. How did we, <laughs> how did we not get that? All right. Uh, what is your favorite comedy? This was a hard one because I like stand up comedy. Like, Productions, but as a movie, I got I think Bridesmaids is one that I Bridesmaids awesome like movie. belly laugh every time I watch it. Great movie, great choice. Uh, what is the movie that you are most embarrassed to say that you like? <laughs> okay, so there's this movie called I think this is what it's called Trainwreck, and I oh, watched yeah. it with Mary like six years ago and we thought it was hilarious like we thought it was the funniest thing ever um at the time she was dating jason and i was dating tay and we had like a movie night and we made them watch that movie and they were so offended like they couldn't even believe that anybody like they didn't understand we were like what we thought it was the best and i it's still amy schumer right no that's Who's no, in it? I, that's the wrong movie. Trainwreck is actually good. What is the name of this movie? I'm gonna have to ask Mary. I don't even remember. Okay. Trainwreck is good. That's Amy Schumer, Schumer and Goldie Hawn, and that's actually really funny. But it's something like Trainwreck. Okay. I don't know. 
but it's a really, really bad movie. And I okay, well, let us know because we're going to be putting these movies up on Picticular so okay, everyone well, can check it out. Yeah, don't say Trainwreck because I actually really like that movie and that'll be a finish. Um, I watched it on a plane and I don't know, something about watching movies on planes, they always end up, they always seem better on the plane. You've had a couple glasses of wine, you're on a yeah. plane, you can't do anything anyway. So. Have you ever cried <laughs> on an airplane watching a movie? Sobbed last I, time. <laughs> I think it might have been the last time I flew because it was so we haven't been able to fly for so long. Uh, my daughter had a gymnastics meet in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was, we were flying home. It was late, and I was watching. First, I did double. I watched um, Instant Family with Mark Wahlberg, and it's about him like adopting. Sorry, I'm like got the sniffles. <laughs> I'm wiping my nose. Um, about them adopting like all these orphan kids. Sobbed like ugly crying. Fine, <laughs> everybody's asleep. I'm like snotting. And then I watched um, the Lady Gaga and and Bradley Cooper. Oh, movie. A Star Is Born. On a plane, so I almost had a coronary. Like I mean, that was like yeah. I almost did myself in with that one. Yeah, on the plane. Yeah, I remember watching. Uh, <laughs> it's very sad. It was a Andy Garcia Meg Ryan movie. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but just. Blah. <laughs> It's like, no, no, I have to watch it. Mess. <laughs> I love a good cry in a movie, though. <laughs> do you uh, do you mind when a man cries? No, not at all. I mean, not too much, but. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay if a man shows the sensitive side, right? No, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I'm an artist. Look, I, I've dated all kinds of criers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who is your favorite male movie character or actor? Denzel Washington. Yes. He's just a badass. So like, no matter what he does, he, he just walks cool. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Denzel movie? Um, well, I love Man on Fire. Um, I like all the ones where he's like is getting revenge. The equalizer, like, I don't know. He's just such Training a Day. Yeah, all of them. They're so hey, good. Pal. So good. Yeah, I actually got to meet Denzel a few years back in New York. Really? I saw a stage play. I, he did like a, a stage play. And so I saw him act like. This was that Fences on Broadway? Yes. Yeah, I saw awesome. him too. Uh, incredible. Yeah. Amazing. I, I was so... called me Amanda. I couldn't correct him. I was like, thank you, sir. Oh, <laughs> uh, man loves woman. That's what it was. Meg Ryan, Andy Garcia. Thank you, Vanessa Hernandez. When a man loves a woman, check it out. You will literally be snotty. Yeah, I've never seen it. Kind of like I am now. I'm not even crying. I'm just like, have the sniffles all of a sudden. Okay, who is your favorite female movie character or actress? Okay, well, now I have to, because I thought about this earlier, and now I change it. So my favorite female movie character is Alabama Whirly <laughs> from True Romance. Yes. And then I have a few. Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. But my favorite female actress right now, I'm really liking Margot Robbie. I really like her. So, She's awesome. Yeah. That's New Day. Yeah. Like, ask me five years ago, I probably would have said, like, Natalie Portman. But now I'm like, I'm on the Margot Robbie bandwagon. Awesome. Very, very cool. So um, for any parents out there who have kids who are thinking about getting into the enter entertainment industry or becoming musicians, um, because obviously you're an artist. Uh, I'm an artist. Uh, I struggled growing up 
trying to find something like a profession where I felt like I could be creative. But growing up here in the Midwest, I, you know, I wasn't really, I didn't think acting or a career in the arts was something that was realistic. Mm-hmm. So um, as an artist yourself, what advice would you give to parents out there whose, whose kids are just budding artists, actors, musicians, and who really want to go for it? Well, I, I don't consider myself an actress at all. I'm kind of, but you're an artist, but an artist meaning like, yeah. you know, I don't, I kind of be dance to the beat of my own drum. <laughs> I always mess up those, whatever those are one liners. That's why we love you. <laughs> I dance to the beat of my own tree. Um, but my, <laughs> for example, my son is really musical and he, he's shown interest in like maybe wanting to do acting or, you know, play, he takes piano lessons. And I think that, as long as you get your education, you can do whatever you want. Like if you, you know, and you can go to school for theater and you can do, and you might find along the way, there's so many different, you don't have to be Justin Bieber to have a career in the music industry. You know, you could be a producer or a writer or a manager or Justin Bieber or whatever, you, you know, but there's, I think if you go to school for it and you learn more about just what you see on TV and hear on the mm-hmm. radio, like you can find that you might actually find something that's even stronger or maybe not stronger, but maybe a more success rate, like a higher success rate, you know? Yeah. Not everybody's going to be Justin Bieber, but, um, so I just think just get your education, you know, and after that, then make your decisions. I haven't allowed my kids to get into like modeling or anything yet. I wanted to give them the chance to say whether they wanted to or not. And also I'm not the most organized. So it's like, it's hard enough for me to get to my, Places and I don't want to be like that stage mom, like sitting there, because you've been to auditions. Like it's it's kind oh, of yeah. cringy when you see kids with their their moms and they've got like their headshot folder and they're like, oh yeah. I'm like, no, I don't. If they want to do it, great. If they get the job, great. If they don't, great. But I want them to be able to make that decision and just you know not be like pressured into it. Um, don't even know if I answered the question, but I talked a lot. <laughs> Yeah, no, so it sounds like you would just encourage parents to support their kids in what their dreams are, but also making sure that they get an education so that yeah. they're, and I think the, the misconception with school is that, you know, I went to college and it's a hell of a lot of money to then- uh, Sorry, my support. daughter just walked in and she has on the cutest outfit ever. And so I- Oh, tell her to jump in here. Let's say hi to her. She won't. She, will she won't? Me. Okay. Noah. No, no, she said. Okay, well, tell Noah we say hi. Okay. <laughs> um. So, uh, with regards to getting an education and then going out there, um, I think it's what school does is teaches you how to think, and I think it, it teaches you how to solve problems, and it teaches you the importance of sticking with something because college for four years is is difficult, right? Yeah. Um, and I. And I think more than anything, it just taught me how to problem solve and how to uh, feel confident, give me the confidence knowing that if I just worked hard long enough, um, that then you get that diploma and you you actually have something to show for it. Um, right. But it's I, I think it's I think people shouldn't push their kids into going to college just for the sake of going to college. I think it's really important to really try to discover what it is your kids are are passionate about because man 
college nowadays is so expensive I know. that I think it's important just to, uh, to make sure that, you know, you're, you're not pushing your kids into something that they don't necessarily want to do, um, right. but also encouraging them and fostering whatever it is that, uh, that they innately, you think they have a talent with. Right. So. And for me, education in just for my description of what that means is it doesn't even have to be like, for example, my daughter recently told me that she, she has it all figured out. She knows what she wants to be now. And she grows up. That's great. No, what do you want to be? I want to be a model and a chef. Beautiful. Two awesome careers. You can live in Paris or New York or whatever. And you can go to the, you can go to culinary arts school. And then you can also be around. Like, I don't know. To me, that sounds like such a beautiful pathway. Yeah. Um, sounds great you to me. You have to go to four years of, you know, whatever college for that. And she could be very successful. So to me, that's also still education. Um, I didn't, I was like, you know, a minute and a half shy of getting my degree. A lot of stuff happened when I was in college, like family wise and stuff. And I just wasn't able to finish, but it's been the one thing that I've struggled with. I struggle with structure and I've struggled with um, like uh, organization. And I know that that's exactly what I would have gotten out of it had I continued because I see it in all my friends that maybe aren't even as smart as me. <laughs> and also my ex-husband was very regimented and very structured. And he would always say, this is because, you know, it was because of college. And I was just, you had yeah. to do it. I'm like, so I'm still playing catch up. <laughs> but the great thing about you, Mon, is that you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be perfect to be successful. Is You're the prime example of you do it. Throw yourself into it. You're present. You, you, and and I think a lot of people are afraid to step into something that they want to do because their fear, again, their fear of failure, their fear of looking stupid. And what I admire about you and is inspiring about you is that you just go for it. And for everyone out there watching this, take it from Amaza. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't like you learned. How to be a real estate agent on live T or on reality yeah. TV in front of millions of people, and you figured it out. And I guarantee you, you're you're much more confident, and you know more about like the ins and outs of being a real estate agent than you did when you first started. But you weren't afraid to just get out there, jump into it, and just be. You know what? Admit when you don't know it, and just enjoy the process. And I think that's what so many people. Are really inspired by you yeah well i hope so that makes me feel good because i won't you know i don't want it just to be on a show to just be on a show like i have always wanted to have a platform to be able to inspire people or talk to people eventually one day about other things that maybe people aren't you know so um comfortable talking about and like if i can have a platform and help other people then then i feel like i'm doing something really good that's been nice to hear from other single moms and um, people that are maybe in their forties, but just like changing careers or whatever. And so it's been good to be an encouragement to those people because look, sometimes I'm like, I don't have it all together, but no. And you have to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a few comments in here. People saying you are their new role model. So congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> and so what's next for, for you? What's your like dream moving forward from here? So I've just started, um, you know, designing my own furniture line. 
I really, really enjoy the design aspect of real estate. So I want to have that line in every department store that hasn't gone bankrupt in the past five months. <laughs> I want to have, I want to one day host my own show about design in some aspect, maybe with kids. I don't know. I've just, that's been in the vision book. So awesome. All right. Well, good luck with it. And we're going to end here with ask the eight ball. The magic eight ball. So you get to ask the eight ball anything you want. And we're going to manifest and see what the universe says. Okay. Okay. So what do you want to ask? Am I going to have another baby <laughs> before I'm a hundred? <laughs> oh, you're going to like this. It says, it is certain. Nice. Yes. <laughs> All right. Not, not like right now, right? So I'm not, I don't need to be worried about anything. <laughs> well, that would require you to physically be in the presence of a man. So as soon as this quarantine ends and you decide to get back out there uh, and you ask him what his love language is and tell him yeah. to make sure that he gives you between five and 10 positive <laughs> comments for every negative, then you're going to find your dream guy. Got it. I'll yeah. keep that in mind. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been yeah, such a pleasure. I wish you Thanks continued. Patient with all my hiccups. Oh, that's off. okay. It's all about being agile, right? Yeah. And learning, knowing how to pivot. Um, tell Chriselle I said hello. Give her my best. Give her a big hug for me. And I uh, she actually was over like a couple weeks ago. We had a, we watched Hamilton together and danced like idiots in my living room and drank wine. Awesome. <laughs> awesome awesome well continued success to you and much love thank you all right thanks for being here bye all right everyone again inspirational motivational what a sweet sweet woman and uh wishing her continued success um and for those of you out there who are looking to uh to do your own thing whether it's you know starting your own business or getting your real estate license or you know, just getting out of your comfort zone to do something that you've always wanted to do. I know that there's there's something inside of you that you just that's eating and inside of you that wants to get out. And we're only here on this planet for such a limited amount of time. I think we take for granted that we're going to be here forever and that there's going to be a tomorrow. And that's never guaranteed. Um, so I would just encourage you take Amanda's advice and. Just get out there and just jump into it and learn from, from the feedback that you're going to get. And you're not going to, you're not going to ever get anywhere in life unless you really step out of your comfort zone and jump into it. And that fear of failure is just the voice in your head trying to protect you. And our thoughts are not who we really are. It really comes down to getting, getting connected to our heart center write out what it is you want. You know that you want something in life and it's all about just writing it down, putting that plan together. If you're looking for a kick in the butt to actually make it happen, you can go to my website, paulnegglesfield.com and look in a tab that says inspire. And in there is, uh, it's my, my course. It'll tell you more about it. If you're interested in uh, jumping in there to get that kick in, kick in the butt for you to go out and make amazing things happen in your life. So, uh, until next week, we've got a full slate, um, another six episodes of Coffee with Colin every Monday night. Thank you for being here. And uh, thank you to my family who continues to support me and uh, 
has supported me in getting to getting me to where I'm at and everyone out there who uh, who's looking to get the same support system. You know what? It's out there. You can grab it. Just uh, make sure you show up in life and provide value and just give, 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 and it will come back to you. I guarantee. All right. Take care for now. Signing off. We'll see you next week.